Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha notebook. Let's dive in. Today is a very special episode. We are actually going to have three of us here discussing an incredible topic. It's going to be highly educational, and you guys are going to want to tune in the whole time. With me today, I have Bill Hunt and Phil Escott, and they are some of the co-authors of The Red Pill Revolution, and they have... They're quite opinionated on the food system, and we are going to really dive into that today, and I'm super excited. Welcome. Who wants to get started first? What should I go? All right. right. Let's let's do this, Phil. All right, Bill. (laughs) I'm just taking the mickey because it's Ben. (laughs) Oh, did I say Bill? I am so sorry. I always always call him the wrong name, you know? (laughs) calls me the wrong name all the time it's absolutely fine i'm sorry yeah. ben weird actually because i know a bill hunt i actually know one but uh anyway marion yes um thank you so much for having us on that's great yeah well my story is is basically sort of um on the food side anyway getting su- sucked into um all the sort of vegetarianism for sort of 30 odd years with the sort of spiritual side of things being part of the whole, you know, transcendental meditation movement and all that. So I got really into the whole food thing and studied food like crazy and studied Ayurvedic medicine, that kind of thing. And uh, even wrote a couple of books on plant-based eating back in the nineties. And then by the late two thousands, sort of things were starting to go wrong. And in 2010, I was completely crippled with psoriatic arthritis so I had to find a way out. My first idea was to go even more vegetarian, which was, you know, vegan and then all the juicing and then fruitarianism, all that sort of thing. And all it did was make me emaciated and gave me kidney stones, but it didn't do much for the joints. And then I finally realized that humans are supposed to eat meat. And so I started, you know, what a, the, the, the usual progression of paleo and keto and all that. And uh, it was good and, and wrote a book called Arthritis, the best thing that ever happened to me back in 2014, I think. But it really got, I didn't, I didn't, um, I, I didn't have any particular issues, but the health sort of really jumped up a notch in 2015 when I went fully carnivore and I've been so ever since and don't eat any plants at all. And I expect we'll talk about the enormous amount of cons that there are in, in, in the world, you know, in the food world and the, all the advice there. And um, then I started off a, you know, a carnivore group on Facebook and wrote a couple of, uh, you know, carnivore like sort of help books and um, ebooks and um, made a video, have a YouTube channel under my own name with a lot of interviews and carnivory stuff and all sorts of other things. And then I met Ben through my Facebook group and Ben was helping me out with my autoimmunity course online. And then um i also met a couple of other guys i i think you've you know john gusty right yep we've had him on the show yeah he's he's cool so so ben and i are part of the red pill revolution thing with um jeremy Ayers and graham norbury and and john gusty and so we wrote the red pill revolution book but also um the uh, red pill food revolution and we sort of did it from all sorts of zoom calls and ben was the real wordsmith on that and uh, you know the food one that's upcoming now is brilliant and now I run the Big Fat Challenge and the Big Fat Tribe with with Ben and help people to see through all the cons of the food system. So that's me, really. That's awesome. I can relate to your story. I had the same progression, you know, going vegetarian, getting sicker, going vegan, getting sicker. I saw that. Yeah. You know, and just prog- and going raw. And then finally, I was like, I can't do this anymore and introduced meat back into my diet and my health. Did you get, did you get the kidney stones as well? 
I thankfully did not, but I dealt with the other stuff. You know, my, my cycle got really wonky. I had like my hormones just like went out of control. Um, I started gaining weight and, you know, my psoriasis flared and, and, you know, and I was like trying to get those under control and, and they just kept getting worse. So thankfully I did not ever get kidney stones. Well, that's, you know, what, what you've had is a results of a healthy plant-based diet. Sounds quite typical to me. <laughs> anyway, ben, <Yes>. sorry. <laughs> I'm working over <laughs> Ben's intro here. Well, I don't have anything like as interesting a, a backstory as Phil, and I really don't have much of a um, history with autoimmunity either, I'm afraid. I, I came into all of this by being a like a homesteader, a smallholder. Uh, we've got a large garden. I got really into growing my own vegetables and fruits and chilies and stuff like that. We've kept chickens and ducks for years here. And I, I was I used to be a, a, a crazy greenie. I was absolutely obsessed with the environment and worrying that the sky was going to burn and fall on our heads and all of that kind of stuff. And I got obsessed with the, the idea of, of building soil, the fact that we could draw down carbon out of, because it's such a horrible pollutant, out of the atmosphere and turn it into soil in the earth. And that took me to a bunch of conferences. I went to conferences and seminars in this country. And I started hearing about how cows and ruminant animals were somehow very important not only for the soil which was a surprise to me because like everyone else I've been told that that burping and farting cows were going to uh, choke us all to death but also I was starting to hear things about the importance of of meat and the the fatty acids and the nutrients that you can really only get from meat and as a curious but I mean I've always been fascinated with how can we live as human beings? How can we be happy, prosperous, and peaceful, living free, walking upon the earth? And that led me to Phil's Facebook group, and Phil and I connected, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. We've uh, we've just taken it all from there. What I love about your story, and I think I do think you have a very valuable one, is we are. I feel like most of us are trying to make ourselves and the world a better place, and we you know, we hear what we hear and we believe it, it makes sense. But then as we start diving in and really researching and thinking for ourselves, like we realize that it's so much more complicated than what the media portrays and what the agenda portrays, right? And then we kind of just want to shout it from the rooftops, right? And we get connected to people. And what I love about your story is I'm kind of drawn to that too. Like I, I have a black thumb. I kill everything that I try to plant, but I love the idea of homesteading and regenerative agriculture and the role that animals play in that living in that symbiotic relationship. And I think, and again, I think it's this progression, right? We, we hear it, it, we buy into what the media tells us and what makes sense, you know, and the, the more research we do, we just kind of spiral and go deeper. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is just sharing what we've learned and why we are so passionate about it. You know, we are all on the same team of like, we want to get people healthy with the real health, you know, and it's not what you're reading from the media, from magazines, from articles. Like it's, it's so much deeper than that. And you really have to be willing to set aside your preconceived notions and be open to, to, to hear the other side, whether you change your mind or not, you know, we can't do that, but we hope that you just get all the information that's available and can make an educated choice. Right. So you guys have shared your stories. What topic should we tackle first? Well, I suppose I'll kick off. I think, you know, thinking how we had similar stories and had to uncover lots of layers of misinformation in the diet world. You know, for me, it's uh, I wish it was anything would, that was so effective apart from carnivory, because it's such a difficult thing for people to accept. You know, you're going to get scurvy. You're going to be constipated. You're going to have colon cancer. You're going to have heart disease. And the funny thing is, I see it curing everything that fatty meat is supposed to cause. And, you know, I, among the Facebook group and among clients I have, because I do consults, that's my main thing, really. Just the healing we see is incredible. And it's so weird then to go to your YouTube channel and you have a vegan sending you death threats or something and saying, I hope you have your children taken away. And 
And quite often, a year or two later, they'll 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 come to me and say, "Look, you were right, and my thyroid's exploded, or something's gone wrong, or you know." And it, it it's very difficult for somebody to just sort of immediately accept that this was our ancestral diet, and then they go, "Oh well, you were vegan, and now you're carnivore. You've gone from one extreme to another." And I would say, "Well, no, not at all. I've just gone basic, because this is the thing that we ate in every latitude." all through history. You know, I had Mary Ruddick on, on my podcast a little while ago, and she was sort of bedridden from a vegan diet and now fixed herself with carnivory and lives with all the tribes and knows exactly what they eat, you know, from the Arctic to the Amazon to Africa. She knows exactly what they eat. And it's not quinoa. And it's not, it's not even nuts and seeds and berries, you know, very rarely, occasionally, you know, that some of these people might find these things in season, but it's meat. That's really what's available worldwide the whole time. And that's suddenly what we're being told is going to kill us. And that's the most dangerous food. And it's getting pretty serious now with this war on meat. You know, it, it really is. I'll let, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't know if people know what's going on in like Norway, uh, you know, and with shutting down all of the farms and the protests that are happening, like it's really hard to see. I see it because I follow independent journalists and things, but it's not easy to find. There really is this war happening on farms and regenerative farming they really want um, monocrops and bugs and yeah. it it does not make sense well that's 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 ben's side of it i'm sure he's going to go well into that but you know I, for me the sort of health side of it is so important because if they take that away i mean i don't really very rarely do i eat any dairy eggs or chicken or pork you know i'm lamb and beef fatty lamb and beef that's it and i love it and that's what i eat you know and that's what i've eaten for eight years with the occasional stray into a couple of other meats, you know, fish maybe. But if people knew this, if people knew how essential it was and how it's the only diet that you can eat really as a mono diet and survive, you know, some fruitarians would, would argue, but they always run into trouble down the line. And, and if they knew exactly what was going on, you know, seed oils created for machine lubricant, and this is what we're supposed to be eating that's heart healthy since all the heart disease problems started. You know, the cancer and stuff that, that started since all the processed food and all of that. And, you know, all sorts of other things, EMFs, artificial light grounding. I don't, you know, this, we're probably going to focus on the food at the moment, but I mean, it's not all that we look at. But the thing that gets me is the real myths about this plant-based thing. Everybody thinks plant-based healthy. People who eat a steak usually think, oh, hang on, I'll have a steak once this week because I'm being naughty. No. You know, the rest of the days they're eating junk food, they're eating cereal and they're eating pasta and, and all that sort of thing. And they think that's healthy. And they think that among all of those plants, that tiny bit of processed chicken in a sandwich that they have is the thing that's going to cause them bowel cancer, you know, because of these ridiculous studies. And I want to get it across to people of how important it is, because when people wake up to it, if they have any issue, it really is, really, really is. I've never seen a, a diet work better than the carnivore diet for reversing autoimmunity some people have terrible trouble even with you know the the, the so-called healthy green veg and stuff like that they are toxic you know our friend anthony chafee he's made a great video that everyone should watch on on youtube called plants are trying to kill you and when you know that there's a you know that he's he lists a whole load of the carcinogens that he was told about by, by one of his university professors a long time ago you know he's been carnivore on and off for like 20 odd years that there's, uh, you know, 136 carcinogens in a Brussels sprout. There's 60 in the least toxic veg. Is there anything really that healthy? I mean, there's fewer in fruit, but still got a lot of fructose, got deuterium, which messes about the mitochondria. And we were designed to eat that in season. But, you know, I we're not militant or anything. I think everybody should do exactly what they want. If you want to be a vegan, be a vegan, whatever. But understand that meat is not killing the planet. It's not unspiritual. It's not unhealthy. In fact, it's the healthiest thing you could possibly eat and do with that information what you like. But fight back against these people who are having this war on meat, because one day you might need it when you if you're veggie or vegan and you come back and it's gone. And then all we're doing is eating Bill Gates's Beyond Burgers and Cricket Flour. And that's not going to keep anyone healthy. It's horrific. So that's my rant about about, you know, learning about plant toxins and understanding that these things are not some people. Some people deal with plant toxins better than others, but carnivore isn't extreme. It's just basic. It's just basic. That's all the ultimate elimination diet. Stay on it if you want. Reintroduce things if you want. But plants are not really your friends. Yeah. 
But let, let's pick up on something that you said earlier, Phil. You know, when you said that people say to you, oh, when you go from vegan and raw vegan over to carnivore, you're just swapping one extreme diet for another, right? And this, this is, that's actually, uh, it's a logical fallacy saying that the, it's called the argument to moderation. The fact that the, 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 the right answer must lie somewhere in the middle, right? So, I mean, that's, that's not proper logic, but it's very much part, isn't it, of, of the, the program that we are being told over and over again that a little bit of what you fancy is fine and we should all have a balanced diet and i'd love to know where this idea of a balanced diet actually originated we know where five a day originated that came out of a marketing strategy meeting in 1991 of fruit and vegetable grocers you know sellers and um, the american cancer organization but this idea of a balanced diet what, what your body needs like a true balanced diet is Put everything in that your body needs. That's all the amino acids that you need and all the fatty acids that you need and some minerals, salts, and maybe some phytonutrients that will come in. And as little as possible of what it doesn't, as little as possible of the toxins that you don't really need. Now, when we've gone all the way back to the Ice Age and the the Paleolithic and, and seen how people ate, sure, we would have grabbed whatever calories we could. If there wasn't a, a, a successful hunt and we found a, a a bush heaving with soft roots, we'd have filled our boots, right? You'd have grabbed all you can, you'd have filled your face and you'd have eaten the meat of animals that have been eating on grass that had gone to seed. For example, higher in omega-3s at that time of year in the summer. And the 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 effect of that the, the excess like linoleic acid from the grass seeds and the extra sugars that you'd get from that and you get some nuts and stuff like that, that would have been done something really, really vital for our survival as a species, which would have which was to help us get fat to survive the winter. And the Ice Age winters would have been quite severe. And so getting fat is a really, really important survival trait. The problem is, and yes, we would have taken in that extra deuterium we'd have taken in the extra omega-6s and and all that kind of stuff but we would have then had the whole winter to pee that stuff out again we'd have got rid of it right you'd gone behind the bush you'd have you'd have got rid of your deuterium and, and and all this other stuff the problem that we've got today is that people are being told that the biggest chunk of your diet should come from grains and and uh stuff processed out of grains fruit and vegetable as much as you can and you can have the odd soda and you can have a, a sugar covered donut as well, you know, because why not? And uh, but definitely limit the fatty meat. So the problem with that is that you're, you're, you're drinking half a gallon of, of soda that's now sweetened with high fructose corn syrup. It's not even good old fashioned sugar anymore, which is a recreational drug, not a food source anyway. But you're, you're sucking down all this high fructose corn syrup. You're eating all these carbs and these grains constantly. And so although our bodies are actually very, very, very good at getting rid of toxins, the natural environmental toxins that we've evolved to to deal with, there's no way we can deal with the, the, the sheer tsunami of toxicity that we're piling into our faces these days. And that's why our systems are breaking down. We're getting metabolic disorder. Right, we we're getting fatty liver, we're getting fatty right. pancreas. The beta cells are getting clogged up with fat, and you know every, everything just breaks down from that point. And that's why that's why I think we're getting sick. It's not that we can't deal with this stuff; it's just that we cannot cope with the sheer level. But we're being told over and over again, you should eat a balanced diet. A balanced diet's got to be good. And I'm really, really fascinated with how they've taken over the control of the cultural narrative around food and drilling this stuff into us. And, they, and um, I mean, you only have to look at the the sharp uptick in obesity that happened around 1980, which is when the US brought in its first dietary guidelines for Americans as well. And uh, <laughs> clearly whatever they are doing, like whether they're just dumb or they are malevolent, wh- whichever way you want to look at it, they're doing a really, really bad job at looking after our health. Well, I think, especially in the U.S., it's bought and paid for. It's whoever gives them the most money, right? I mean, I look at the American Dietetic Association, and I have friends that are that went to school to be dietitians who won't give them their money because they're like, you're sponsored by Coke and McDonald's. 
Like they're like, there is no, in no realm is that any part of a healthy diet. And to even say like, oh, to be balanced, you can have this stuff. No, really you shouldn't, right? But it's bought and paid for. Even sugar, you know, in the 1950s, that was bought and paid for by the sugar industry. You know, and then there's been this battle between, you know, big ag, right? Cows, dairy, and then, you know, the uh, sugar and the grains and all that. And there's like this just constant battle, right? And, you know, a lot of people don't know that saturated fat is no longer demonized, right? And a lot of people don't know that animal protein is more than just amino acids. It's tons of minerals. There's a lot, there are omega-3s in it, you know, and how important eating seasonally is, and I feel like that's like the layers, right? Like at first you realize, oh, I need to eat plants because they're healthy and you you go to the excess on that. And then you start coming back. And I remember when I came back from the vegan diet because I was so sick and I started researching the Weston A. Price, you know, 1920s dentist who went around the world, looked at diets and teeth, right? And it was mind boggling to me. And that I was like, this is from the 1920s and people just toss it. Like we know how these primitive cultures that were not exposed to grains, that didn't have sugar, that just ate traditional diets, it was significant, significantly high amounts of meat that they're saying are going to cause uric acid issues and are going to cause, you know, joint issues from eating so much meat and gallbladder issues. And it, it just, it is not the case. People died more from injuries than they did, you know, old age, they lived until their seventies, eighties, nineties, hundreds. But, you know, the, the, where the discrepancy is, is obviously birth rates, you know, children die as infants and then injuries along the way. But if you can survive the first five years, your likelihood of living into your, into your late, late, late in life was significant. Oh yeah. When, when you know, they, they always say, don't they, that, um, uh, you know, these people died young and whatever, but I had in Mary Ruddick, I was asking her about this and, and she has this wonderful picture of a family. It's in Africa. I forget which tribe it is, but the, the old lady's 120 and the daughter is 90 and she's got six generations in one pic there. And the old lady, you know, she wasn't like wheeled on and looked with this curiosity. She was dancing with the tribe in the evening. You know, they don't have these issues. And also, did they really die that young? Because when they dig up the bones, they say, well, this looks like it's from a 40 year old or whatever. But what about the bone density? I mean, it could be from somebody double that age. Because when you eat that kind of diet, I mean, we see it in a carnival group, people go and get DEXA scans and whatever, and their bone density comes up beautifully when they get onto a carnival diet and get rid of the plants and all the, you know, the anti-nutrients in those. And to me, it's just, it's mad. There's a great uh, saying that uh, I think, I forget who it was said it, but the humans are the only species intelligent enough to make their own food and stupid enough to eat it. And, and we do this all the time. You have, you have, you know, if there's a zoo animal and the vet goes in and they say, what are you feeding it? Oh, it's a polar bear. It's sick. We've been feeding it like cereal and, and stuff like that. Well, of course it's sick. It eats seals. It eats fish. It eats that kind of thing. Feed it that. It'll get better. But you go to the doctor. They have no idea. What does a human eat in the wild? Oh, I don't know. Oreos, maybe. I, I don't know. You know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? So we've actually forgotten what we eat in the wild. And we've got to eat a balanced diet, including things that only existed for the past couple of hundred years. All that fruit and veg in the shops. I'm sorry, I know I know, we'll be annoying people who love their lovely eating the rainbow as well. That's another thing, isn't it? Oh, let's eat mm -hmm. the rainbow. All of this stuff, it doesn't exist in the wild. These tribes do not eat stalks and leaves. They'll eat some nuts, they'll eat some berries, they'll eat some honey, and they'll eat a tuber if the hunt's failed or whatever. But they don't eat stalks and leaves. They sometimes make it into medicines, which are usually applied topically. They don't eat that stuff. They know how poisonous the stalks and leaves of plants are because they don't want us to eat them. And so what do we get? What is the most healthy food? Oh, leafy green veg. I mean, nobody likes it. Chewing your way through a load of kale. It's disgusting. All of this stuff is toxic. You know, I'm sorry, guys. I know there's probably people out there really freaking out who've, you know, gone onto a paleo diet. We say, right, let's cut the grains and let's cut the dairy. But to me, I, I think a hell of a lot of the problems come from the leafy greens and they're very, very toxic, real nasty things. And, you know, even some of the fruits, you know, it's like, you know, and, and the seeds, chia seeds are full of oxalates. You know, I mean, oxalates, one of the nastiest of all the plant toxins. And um, I would say to everybody, go and read Toxic Superfoods by Sally K. Norton and just see what, what oxalates might be doing to you. They have an enormous amount of symptoms and having been on the receiving end of them myself and still shedding them 
12 years after my last spinach smoothie that I was probably getting close to a lethal dose of every day because I thought it was so healthy, you know, with my dark chocolate, my almonds, my turmeric, you know, all of that. It was it was oxalate soup I was eating every day. And, you know, again, why didn't I twig it? I'd studied diet for 30 years. Why didn't I think I'm juicing? Is this ancestral? Is this ancestral? Did, did, did our ancestors plug in a juicer and juice up those of the plants that they knew were toxic, you know? It's incredible how stupid I've been and how brainwashed so many people are because of the nonsense that's going on. And I always say that all I needed to do was to look at a cave painting, you know, in my vegan years. Why didn't I do that? There's one guy, there's one spear, there's one mammoth, there's no broccoli, there's no quinoa, there's no kale, there's none of that stuff. We never celebrated it. So, yeah, that's the thing. We think about it with animals, put them on their natural diet, they get better. But we don't know what our natural diet is. We have no idea. We've forgotten. Mm. So you heard it here first, everybody. If you want to eat the rainbow, then you're better off with Skittles than you are with the fruit and veg aisle. <clears throat> I'll go with that. I'll go with that because I mean, as somebody who's had autoimmunity, you know, I used to eat bars of chocolate early on, you know, in it, and and I was fine with that, although I was building up my oxalates, but. It's the fiber that was a problem. I'd have more problem with broccoli than I would with chocolate. Not that I'm condoning sort of, you know, seed oil and sugar filled chocolate and whatever. But because of the fiber, yeah, all this fiber day, all this fiber that we ate. I mean, what about the Inuit? Why didn't they die of scurvy? Why haven't I died of scurvy? But I, I haven't taken in any vitamin C since, you know, nothing except what's in meat because it competes with the with the pathway for carbohydrates. So if you don't eat any carbohydrates, you don't need vitamin C. Well, what's in meat is enough. That's why the Inuit never got scurvy. That's why, you know, that's why nature gives you vitamin C in things that are full of, of carbohydrates, like berries in, in, in the autumn. Nature knows you'll need extra vitamin C if you're eating the berries. You don't need the berries. The bush needs you to eat the berries because you go somewhere else and poo out the seeds. There's nothing in the berries that you need. Now, absolutely eat them you know if you find some growing on a bush you know go fill your face it's fine like ben says it's okay that's not harmful but the stalks and leaves of the plants when you're told to eat your broccoli and and all these sort of cruciferous veg that we've we've created as humans they're not they don't exist in the wild mm. and and it's it's all nonsense you know eat it if you like if you can take it but to me veg was 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 never more than a sponge for butter anyway it, it's you know so it, it was i i don't I'm, I'm glad to see the back of them. I'd rather have fatty meat. <laughs> there we go. Going back to the 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 myth and how, how they direct the narrative, you're absolutely right, Marion. Western A. Price nailed it in the 20s with, with his book, Nutrition and uh, Physical Degeneration, wasn't it? And, uh, and, and his conclusion from having done more research, more real on the ground, boots on the ground research than any scientist I think that that, that I know since, his conclusion was it was something that was missing from the diet, not something that was added. And they, they've kind of found this as well. They, they did an experiment with rats where they actually injected glucose into the rats' stomachs, bypassing their mouths, and the rats still got um, dental caries. Their teeth still rotted because it was, it, well, it was, it was something that, that was missing. It's not that sh sugar in your mouth, sugar on your teeth makes your teeth rot. It's the fact that you're, your macronutrients are off because there's something you're not getting. And what Western A. Price said you're not getting is you're not getting the fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, which can only come, everyone needs to know this, only fats from the animal kingdom can store the fat-soluble vitamins, which are essential to our health. Coconut oil is a pretty good fat. Olive oil is a pretty good fat. Avocado oil, they're, they're, these aren't bad but because they come from the plant kingdom, they cannot store those vitamins that we need. And yet Western A. Price's stuff has been quietly shoved into a corner and whose opinions are, are holding forth in, in, in the court of what we should eat? The charlatan, the criminal Ansel Keys, who should have got an F for his paper in the 1950s, with his diet heart hypothesis that wasn't even his own work and he cheated, right? And, and he shouldn't have been given a second chance yep. at that. Yep. But the, the guy carried on for, for years, but because, I mean, A, he was bankrolled by the sugar industry anyway, 
and the American Heart Association was bankrolled by Procter and Gamble, the originators of Frisco, which came from cottonseed oil, which came out in 1911, just a few years before the first recorded myocardial infarction in the United States. Say it again, throughout the history of the USA, there was not one recorded heart attack. Okay, The ancient Egyptians knew what heart attack was. They wrote about it. They wrote about the symptoms of an oncoming heart attack because they'd had, they had a, a two and a half thousand year culture where they were farming, which is quite exceptional. But it was completely forgotten about for thousands of years, like 4,000 years, until someone wrote about it in the 19th century in, in Britain. But the first recorded one wasn't until the 1910s in the United States, which just happens to be after they started pushing Crisco as a healthier replacement for lard and animal shortening with the help of um, a big marketing campaign. But yeah, Procter & Gamble uh, ran a radio uh, contest where they raised over a million dollars and, and handed it over to the American Heart Association, which still tells us to this day that vegetable oils are heart healthy in the face of all the evidence. Yeah, I would. I remember when I learned that I was beyond angry, right? Like just how nutrition science is bought. But at the same time, when you look at the real science, the support for animal-based proteins and fats is solid since the 1950s. It's there. It's not hidden. And when you go in with an open mind, that's, you know, you see that, right? Like you see it over and over and over again. And I feel like a lot of this stuff where I feel like a lot of people do try to come from a good place. A lot of scientists do. They want to know, like, you know, how do we get stuff moving out of the colon? Where does cancer come from? You know, oh, fiber moves things out, right? Like, it, I don't think that everybody is in on it, but there are people and entities that control the narrative. And you have to be willing to break free from that. And I feel like in, you know, the chronic illness community specifically, which is who I I help a majority of, they're so disillusioned with the medical community and with them telling them, oh, food doesn't matter and just take these pills. And so they're on this hunt, which I think, you know, we, we've been there. Like we just were on this hunt to better ourselves, to better our health and to better the world. And it becomes frustrating to realize that the narrative is just bought and paid for. It has no root in health at all. And if you want to be healthy, you have to be willing to do the research and go outside of that and be willing to try new things. Like I remember when I went paleo and it really was just, I was breastfeeding and in, I couldn't eat gluten, dairy, soy. I'm allergic to corn. And I was like, well, what's the easiest way to eat? And I went paleo and I did. I still do a lot of meat and a lot of fat because I feel the best that way. Right. And I'm 38 and I look 25. Right. You guys look very young as well. And it's, you know, and everybody's like, well, what do you eat? And I'm like, well, I don't eat crap for one. Right. And I eat a lot of animals and I'm like, I cook with lard. When I fry, I'm using lard. I don't use Crisco, which was intended to fatten up turkeys for Thanksgiving. Right. And then they just couldn't. And then they were killing turkeys. So farmers went and buy it. So then they marketed it to humans. Right. Like it's just it's crazy when you look at the history. Yeah, you're right. You all. do see some beautiful, uh, beautiful healing up on this kind of thing when you get some proper nutrients. It's like, you know, I felt I was 61 the other day and I, I, I felt a lot, a lot older, sort of 15 years ago, definitely. And I was great big fat dude, you know. And it is funny it's, when when you get people and they say to you, you know, well, you're not a doctor. What would you know about diet? It's frustrating, isn't it? Because. Even if you go on some dietary course and get letters after your name, it's just, it's nonsense. You know, there's, I found forums of people, of dietitians saying, how can we, how can we push this stuff anymore? We, we understand the truth now. Now we're sort of controlled by some governing body. And I'm glad I never did. But, you know, I, I'm free to study everywhere and anywhere as, as, as the three of us are. But doctors, you know, they'll get like a, day or so or a couple of hours on nutrition and then it's all the wrong stuff and then when you're talking to somebody they'll be saying well, you're not a doctor i did a blog post a while ago it's called um you're not not a doctor who the f do you think you are you know and 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 this is this is uh what i've been told so many times i go well i've kind of studied it for 40 years and i probably you know i'll listen to some podcast or study something i'll probably do a good two or three hours a day anyway 
you know, refining the knowledge and understanding about this and that, listening to different scientists. Oh, so you don't read papers. Well, yeah, I prefer to listen to the scientists that have actually put the papers out. Then you can hear their character as well. You can hear them translating the stuff that you probably wouldn't understand. I say, well, have you read any of these studies? You know, you'll say to a vegan, well, no, but Dr. Greg has told me that this, you know, we don't need to because he's done it all for us, you know? And he says that this study says this and this. And, and he's, still, he's still out there going, well, all these carnivores, they're going to die of scurvy, you know? And I'm waiting, um, you know, it's, if you have a really, really bad diet, you know, with, with a load of carbohydrates with no vitamin C, you'll probably get scurvy in like three to six months or something like that. But I'm still waiting. It's been eight years, Gregor. When is this scurvy going to hit? When are my teeth going to fall out? <laughs> it's very, very strange, you know? And that that's that's the difficulty we have is 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 that people don't understand that the docs now even the carnivore docs out there now some fantastic ones that, that we know you know ken berry and and anthony chafee and sean baker and whatever you know they're great guys and and they're, they're so honest and 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 we were we were at a conference a couple of weeks ago near near ben's place in sheffield and sean baker is there and our friends Sophia clements from paleo medicina in hungary who are you know, the results that they have there with a really high fat, what they call the paleolithic ketogenic diet, absolutely no plants, no dairy, not even a molecule of dairy. And, you know, the reversals of, of, of you know, even sort of very complicated stuff like glioblastomas and whatever. And they're doing actual sort of clinical studies on this now. And nobody's heard of them. These are the people who should be on everybody's TV going, look what's possible here. You know, but they've done it by studying after their traditional thing. I mean, Ken Berry did that book, The Lies My Doctor Told Me. And, you know, it, it became a very, very, you know, best-selling book. And and his uh, his practice and his house burned down quite suspiciously within a few months. And it's like, hey, you know, I asked him about that on my podcast, kind of pressed him on that. And he's like, you know, but it was pretty suspicious. And it's uh, you know, he 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 says, I love it when he says, look, I'm doing what I do now to apologize for the fact that, you know, for what I did to my patients when I was going by my medical school training. And it's only the doctors who aren't lazy and actually research after their after their med school. And then a load of them are just dropping out of the health system. And hopefully, you know, people go on about saving the NHS in England. And we, we you know, at this conference, it was a lot of it was about that. And we're like, why do you want to save the NHS? Wind it up. You know, there should be a casualty. There should be an A&E department, you know, for broken bones and stuff like that. And then a human body department. Not all these little departments selling different pills for different, you know, if you, your left kidney's on the blink, then you need a certain pill. Your right kidney's on the blink, you need another one, you know, and then a load of other things to stop that blowing up your pancreas and detaching your retina and all of this. And yet people are still queuing up, queuing up, queuing up to go and get that stuff. It needs to come out. Otherwise, we're kind of doomed, really. We'll have no soil left. Get into Ben should get into the agropocalypse side of things, you know. But oh. as Leah calls it, these doctors don't get any training in nutrition. You know, one of the last people that you you should go and speak to is your family doctor, because Phil probably does more study in one week than your average doctor gets when they qualify in their entire training for that. But these the problem with with your your Ken Berries and your Sean Bakers and stuff is they're not following the science, Phil. They don't understand that science <laughs> is something that's supposed to be followed, not done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a disgrace. But also just looping back to um the American Dietetic Association as was, it's now the Academy for Nutrition and Dietetics or something like that. But you know that um the founder of that, Lena F. Cooper, was a devotee of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and that's a whole whole nother area. But these are the guys whose whose views are getting free airtime. But you're, you know, the people who actually know what's going on and know how to prevent this stuff. Yeah, but here's the problem: there's no money in prevention at all. But yeah, well, let's move on to well, we, uh, yeah. We just to wrap that up. I mean, we 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 deal with that a lot in the red upcoming Red Pill Food Revolution book. You know about how plant based diets have basically been used to to keep people pretty subservient. You know these sort of slave diets over the centuries. It's nothing new. I mean, the 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 foods that we've created now are new and even worse than they ever were before. But it's nothing new. The 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 elites have always stuffed themselves with meat and they've fed the slaves the grains. And this is how it's been going on for ages. But anyway, yeah, but let's get into the whole 
destruction of the yeah. soil and God knows what. <laughs> oh man, I mean, where do we start? I mean, the 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 argument against meat is based on on three major premises, right? One is it's bad for your health. Bam, bam. Uh, second one is is the ethics side of things, and we we could do a whole podcast just just on that, really, to be honest. But the the environmental one is the crazy one, and we we are convinced that there is an environmental catastrophe going on right now. We're in the middle of it. It's very urgent, and it should be at the forefront of everybody's minds. But it's not going on in the sky above our heads. It's going on in the the earth beneath our feet. Uh, there's an amazing book called Dirt, the Erosion of Civilizations by a guy called uh, David R. Mon Montgomery, who looked back at all the major... Because we didn't have human civilization until minimum 10,000 years ago when we'd moved over to agriculture, because until then, we were living a very extensive life. We were living... We were roaming. We were mainly nomadic. We were following the herds, following the fish, whatever it was. And you had about one human being per square mile, which is what you find with hunter-gatherer societies today in the wild. When it, it all moved up and neither we or the Neanderthals or, or whatever killed off the megafauna, we had to look for other sources of food and we, we had big brains. So we were able to uh, cultivate plants and domesticate plants and animals and, and agriculture began. But the problem with agriculture is it don't work. Permaculture works. I have to say this, permaculture works it is sustainable it builds soil you can feed yourself that way the problem is it's it's very labor intensive and not very profitable so <clears throat> we can discount that no nobody no no corporation is going to be interested in uh, in growing food in a way that actually builds soil um so but what we've been, basically been engaged in I mean, the last ten thousand years is a race to see who can mine the soil quicker than the next village or the next city state or the next corporation as it is now but the machines that we've had since the industrial revolution have just taken it to a whole new level apparently the the soil in in the middle of the us was several feet deep when the first kind of pioneers started to sorry white pioneers started to to cross over the country and now it's um it's basically gone it a hundred years ago people on the eastern seaboard were starting to see clouds of dust and smell the dirt from Kansas it up their noses because we've destroyed the soil through through the use of the plow, through tilling. Um, and it's absolutely shocking, but nobody's talking about this. Right? Again, it's just like the health side of things that uh, it's it's just, no, it's this isn't our concern. It's all about climate change and it's all the cow's fault. And that doesn't even make sense. Again, when, when white fellas started to cross America, they saw herds of bison. And these are like two-ton beasts. These are not small. That blotted out the entire land as far as the horizon. There were millions of these things out there. And we know it's a lot of this stuff you can just... do. You, you can resolve these issues with very small application of common sense. How many large ruminant animals... Like go, going back to dinosaurs if you like has the earth had on it at any one time well we know the answer to that it's as many as it could support because that's how nature works right wherever ben, you ben, have, yeah ben, you left out the fact that those bison in those days used to hold their farts in yes, yes so, they, you know they yeah. didn't they they didn't upset Greta Thunberg <laughs> you know they were much more polite in those days I, I don't know about dinosaurs but <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, the, the, here's the thing. Here's, here's how life works. Wherever you get soil, you get vegetation. Wherever you get vegetation, you get herbivorous animals that eat the vegetation because that's what life does. Life finds ways to gather nutrients and energy. That's all the sun's energy that's been captured. And it converts it so that any living thing, all it, all it wants to do is to survive, to get energy, to get nutrients, to build its body so it can procreate and carry on. And what we know is from all the species that we have now, they've done a rather good job at doing that over the years. And wherever you get herbivorous animals, you get carnivorous animals that recycle that energy and those nutrients yet again by turning them into carnivore. And then they die and they go back into the soil and everything goes around and everyone's pooping all over the place, which is all good. 
I would like to discuss the human role in that because I remember seeing a post last night on social media about how humans are a disease to the planet, which I am like, give me a break, right? But people really feel like if it's not the animal's fault, it's our fault as humans. And I believe that we play a vital role in managing all of this that we are slacking on in modern society, right? We... Because we're so detached from nature and we're so detached from how things work that um, we are not being good stewards of the earth. And I feel like those farmers and people who are into permaculture and regenerative agriculture and all of these things are, are reconnecting to that. And I do believe we play a vital role. So I think, Ben, I would love to kind of dive into that myth that we are a disease and we're destroying the planet when really... I mean, obviously, you know, modern culture and plastic and all, you know, all this stuff, just this take, take, take mentality that we have is not healthy. But I do believe that humans play a vital role in this. And I think that that's a myth that I would really love to kind of tackle, especially as we're talking about, you know, the role that meat plays in farming and stuff. And be like, oh, if we just stepped out of the picture, if humans were no longer here and we were back to, you know, being the, the minority in the world then the world would just flourish and it'd be so much better without us. And I think that that's just mm-hmm. a horrible I mean, it's, it's not wrong. You know, if, if if we disappeared, here's the thing. If the fish disappeared, it it would, we'd have an ecological lapse, uh, collapse. If, if the grasses disappeared, we'd have an ecological collapse. If humans disappeared, everything would just crack on as, as normal. So there, there is a kind of a truth in there. The problem is that it's not humans. It's not humans that are responsible for this. Although they, whoever they are, Want us to believe it is, and and one of the the really strong themes through the the vegan slash animal rights movement is that um, hum- uh, to, to quote Agent Smith in the Matrix, humans are a virus. You know, they they think that they hate humanity. It's um, it's misanthropy, right? Mm-hmm. And this really suits suits the owners because what they want is they want us to feel. It's like a new a new form of original sin, right? Just by existing as a consumer on the planet, right? You are all automatically guilty of, of destroying Mother Earth, right? And it's your fault, consumer, because you used that plastic straw that time, right? It's not the fault of the corporations and the 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 powers that shouldn't be that are actually running is you know it's it's my fault for being a consumer that's causing strip mining and the pollution of the rivers and the oceans and everything like that so it's it's not it's not our fault and we could quite easily turn things around i think if if we if we chose to do it but it doesn't suit because corporations are all just locked into this death spiral of trying to compete and all, this is what you have to remember it wasn't that long ago, I think it was the late 19th century, when a corporation was first given the right to write up its own charter. Before then, corporations had a, a life expectancy and they, they were supposed to expire. But that chain, we write about this in the, the Red Pill Food Revolution, we go into the entire history of this. It was the um, the British and the Dutch East India companies that had such, there was so much to steal in in the Indies that they couldn't possibly get it all done in the space of 30 or 40 years. So they they these companies actually existed for like 150 years because there was just too much crap to bring back and and uh and sell or put in our museums. Um but yeah the, the the corporations and what you have to remember about the corporations is that the the board of directors of these corporations have a legal obligation to maximize shareholder returns. If they fail to do that, then they are individually liable through failing their fiduciary duties to the corporation. And the problem is that ethics and sustainability and things like that get in the way of profits. So if you are a corporation like um, Philip Morris, Philip Morris, cigarette manufacturer, then started buying up other companies and became the largest food corporation in the United States not too long ago, right? They're, they're, and it's the same thing. They're in the addiction business and they're in the profit-making business. That That's what they're there for. If we leave corporations to do this, then it is all going to burn and nature will, to quote 
sorry, new model army from the about 1989, she will dance on our grave when we are dead and gone. And that's the way it's going to be. There's not going to be many humans left. They're already saying that we've got maybe 50 to 100 years of soil left, right? And then your vegans say to you, oh, but animal agriculture uses so much land. I'm like, well, good luck trying to plant your wheat crop on a hillside in Wales that, that's like that, right? Where the sheep are grazing happily now. You know, it's only about 4% of the land on earth you could ever grow row crops. You know, the, 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 so much more of it is marginal. Right. What about where the where the Inuit are, where the, the Finns, the Laps, the Sami, the Masai? You know, you can't grow crops in all of these places. Um, but yes, we can re-green. We, we can re-green the earth. Alan Savory has, has shown us how, just how possible that is, right? But what we're doing at the moment is just doubling down on doing the exact opposite. You know, the Romans used to grow most of their olives and most of their grains in North Africa. It's the region that we now call the Sahara Desert, right? We, we, we're going the opposite way. And unless we pull on the brake and do a handbrake turn very, very soon, there is bound to be a huge collapse and part of me thinks that 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 they know this. I think your Klaus Schwabs and your Bill Gateses know this. Uh, why else is Bill Gates buying up all that farmland? I don't know. So, they do. Uh, Can I just jump in a little bit on the end of that, Marion? Sorry. Um, you know, yeah. this business that you said about the virus, and, and, and Ben has mentioned Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, and if you look into what they're doing and, and what they're saying... They also believe that humans are a kind of virus on, 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 on the earth. And these people are eugenicists. You know, we've trusted. I don't want to get your channel pulled, so we won't go too deep into this. But, you know, what what is the virus? Not that I'm even convinced that the virus theory is correct, you know, with the germ versus terrain business. And, you know, what is it? Is there really actually a virus? I don't know. I don't know. But which virus is it that they're trying to wipe out with their pharmaceuticals? Hmm. Could it be the humans? And I think that's something that we really need to wake up to because it's really serious. This is a war. There's a war on food. There's a war between the elites and uh, and the people. And, and we've got to wake up about this and stop sort of arguing about, you know, which plant is healthier and, oh, you're, you're a monster for eating meat and you rape cows and all of that kind of thing. You know, that's what I'm told. And I think, I, I think I'd have remembered if I'd done that, you know. But... It, it, it all of this ridiculous um, 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 division. We're just humans. We have a human diet. Face it. You want to eat a few plants? Great. But we've got to wake up to this because they are trying to. They they, they really are trying to attack us on all on all fronts. And it shouldn't be. It's not country against country. That's another you know a, a huge subject that wars were probably never for the reason we were taught at school, right? And 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 it's the elites against the people, but it's becoming obvious now. And these last three years of chaos have, have have woken a lot of people up. So you know, let's wake more of them up, so that even if they don't eat meat now, it's there for them when they need it, and we don't destroy the soil because then no one's eating anything. Right. I think I the agenda is not secret. Right. If you watch the World Economic Forum, it's it's not a secret. Everything that we're talking about is not conjecture or anything. It's taken straight from the source. Um, I think a lot of people don't like to hear that. Also, don't have the time or the mental capacity to want to invest into in listening to the forums and things, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, agriculture and farming and soil regeneration—that is the future of sustainability. And that's the future of, you know, stewarding the earth well, you know, um, climate change, climate changes all the time. The earth breathes, as people say, you know, and I'm a big fan of sustainability. I think we need to use less plastic. I think we need to, you know, get back to using products that from the earth that go back to the earth. I am a big fan of like, you know, glass and, you know, all of that stuff I think is super important, but I think where things go wrong is when there's that agenda and we're not getting back to the things that actually work. You know, we're not getting back to the nutrition. Like the point is getting as much nutrients as you can and reducing toxins. And that's where health is, you know, what that can look like. Everybody's on a journey, you know, and we all have to find our own path, but it's being open-minded and, and really looking at where do nutrients come from and how do we get the most of them and how do we steward that well so that we're getting the most nutritious food 
possible, you know, and by depleting the soil and by not eating animals and just farming it until we have a Sahara desert on 4% of the earth that could only grow crops to begin with, we're going to go back to eating animals because that's going to be our only option after society collapses because that's what's going to happen. There's going to be mass starvation, right? And so stewarding the earth well is super important. And I, you know, I think that that's just going to have to be a whole other episode on what does that look like and this whole education on where do nutrients in our food come from? And orange from the 1950s had, you know, many more nutrients than an orange now. And same with even with animals, if they're not growing on a regenerative farm, they're getting fed, you know, hay where it's dried. So all the, a lot of the nutrients are gone. So we're eating nutrient depleted products, whether it's animal-based or plant-based and you have to, you know, and that's where I think the paleo movement was so vital for me was getting back to life cycles and nutrition and making things grow, you know, eating animals that were raised in a natural habitat, eating the food it was supposed to eat. Like that was like going from vegan to that kind of the ethical side at the time was like really good for my soul was just realizing the life cycle. Right. And I think a lot of people, if you're really open to health, I I encourage you to continue. We've mentioned a lot of books and I'm gonna have to go back and write everything down so I can get the links for everybody. Um, But there's just, there's so much out there and just have an open mind. You know, like this, this could go on for hours and we're probably, we're going to have to split up the episodes and, and go deeper because it's just, there's so much, there's so much here. Um, but now that we've kind of blown everybody's mind, where can they start? Where, where do you go from here when you have this information? Well, well, I, I guess it depends. Um, it, it depends whether, what, what your goals are and, and where your starting point is, you know, because. For example, you know, people say think that there is a carnivore diet. I mean, it you know, on the diet side, it's not really. I mean, if somebody is pretty healthy and they don't have any um, uh, autoimmunity or anything like that, but they just have some metabolic issues like diabetes, I really don't think it's even a disease. You know, it's it, it's just like it's just carb poisoning, really, and and you can get over it pretty quickly. And so somebody like that, yeah, if they eat dairy and they eat pork and chicken and yeah, stuff your face, it's going to be great. But some people, you know, need to go much more strict and, and sort of the fatty beef and lamb is, you know, there's an expression, isn't there, that um, it was, I think it was made up for bipolar people that bipolar people are like everybody else, only more so. And it's, that's the same as us when we've had autoimmunity, that we can tell the quality of, 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 of the food Um you know, it's a very different experience for me to eat chicken than it is to eat a really good fatty steak or lamb chop or something. It's very different. These are somebody once called it's walking corn, you know, chicken is uh, fed this crap and whatever. I would say, you know, where to start, uh, just understand that it isn't about going and buying the plant foods and and, and that's all going to sort all the planet out and everything like that, like Greta says. I mean, it's absolute nonsense. The carnivores are probably at the forefront of the movement to get rid of factory farming and stuff like that. The vegans go, oh, well, it's disgusting. All your food is created in these awful. F-. No, this is our food. We care about it more than they do. So we'd like to see all of the pigs and chickens out. You know, we'd like to see all the all the cows out on the pasture, which is being taken up for their food, being grown for the tofu burgers, you know, and whatever. So I think it's it's about people just going and buying local grass-fed beef and and just trying to be and and lamb and and other meats or whatever you know but just trying to get the prices down and and support these people because otherwise they're going to go down the pan that they're trying to get rid of farmers they're forcing them out as you mentioned you know and in holland as well and and now they're injecting animals with stuff and faking pandemics and and saying you know which obviously they've never never done before and um the, you know, it's very, very dodgy business going on. And, and we have to see what they're doing. It's there's, it's a slowly boiling frog situation, isn't it? Oh, it'll be all right. Oh, meat's gone up a little bit in the supermarket. Oh, well, we'll have a little bit of, of, of this plant food instead. Would it? No, go down to your local farmer, get more nutrition in. Because that nutrition comes in a smaller package. Often, if you're clever, you can save money on a carnivore diet or close to carnivore diet because you're not buying all the crap that has no nutrients in it that your body then craves and it's addicted to you have to graze all day long on this stuff so support the farmers support your body by getting the maximum nutrients in the smallest possible package you know which is basically meat isn't it 
and um and and look into the the environmental side of it and see how hypocritical the whole thing is and you know if anybody's interested or thinks this is mad i mean i i would say to people on the on the health side if you are ill try a carnivore diet for 90 days even a vegan diet's not going to kill you in that time you know even if you're keto now and you've got some plants with it try dropping those plants out go meat only for 90 days uh, or 30 days just you know and see the difference and and then you know absolutely bring them back in if you like them and you have no issue with them whatever but we, we these tiny little threads sometimes like the difference we see between say people with ms some quite complicated things when they just drop the last of the plant foods out and go fully carnivore they get great success whereas it, it, even more success and more difference than coming from a, a processed food diet to say a keto diet with lots of fatty meat so you know understand all these little things follow people you know we'll put some links maybe up to our stuff you know below the episode we'll send them to you and whatever and and just see we've we've sort of summed it up in that and i mean just support people like marion as well is it just giving out great info i mean your 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 podcast and all your info on your website is fantastic so you know support this and stop shouting at people for not being doctors and whatever and being quacks and being like these other people are the quacks you know it's happened since the whole rockefeller takeover of the of the of the medical system early last century and throwing out the real healers and calling them quacks no 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 these people are quacks yep. who, are, who are trying to ruin your health now and kill you and all the all the all the, all the corporations so start buying locally stop buying from the corporations stop buying the junk food stop buying um harvey kellogg's anti-masturbation cornflakes you know and this is not this is not a healthy breakfast this has come from religious dogma it's insane stop it with the cereals stop it with the cedars if that's all you do you're going to find uh you're, you're a hell of a lot better and uh, as uh, i'd kind of sum all that up by saying that there's there's one one person you should be listening to above all the others all the others but the tv the doctors the studies all of that listen to your own body first and foremost try going high fat high meat for 90 days be honest with how you feel see what happens to your brain see what happens to your waistline wow i mean the results that we see are incredible um if you're on diabetes meds get ready for a shock you know um but yeah listen to yourself don't listen to any corporate sponsored propaganda whatsoever um and let go of this original sin that that humans are a virus we're not we have a place in the the food web that i believe is divinely ordained we're supposed to be here we have a job to do and we know times are difficult but first and foremost you need to be responsible for your own health and your own happiness and your own feeling of self-worth in this lifetime because uh you, your governments and the and the corporations and the non-governmental organizations do not have your best interests at heart look after yourself yeah brilliant I, it's, what, what, one one little thing i'd say to a lot of people will be saying there's so much conflicting information and i remember it you know you're looking at this guy this diet guru and this vegan one and that one and how do you sort through the bullshit how do you sort through it for me it's not infallible but a really good one that will take you further in every day than it took me in 30 years of studying diet in the wrong way. Is it ancestral? Did we do it? What would we have eaten at this at this locality in this season more than 10,000 years ago before we farmed grains? What, what would we have eaten? And you could get a pretty good idea of what's going to be healthy for you and refer it ancestrally. So study anthropology and study plant toxins and then make up your own mind. And then you'll probably be able to see through the nonsense that everybody's pushing at you. Don't study. Don't go from one diet guru to another. Don't listen to us. What did our ancestors do? What do the tribes do? And what are the toxins in what we eat? We're just over here giving permission. Permission to trust your body. Per permission to think for yourself. And permission to experiment that's how you're going to feel how you feel your best. And you just have to give yourself time. Mm. And I think the other thing I would like to stress is just think about nutrient density. Like if you really sit down and honestly look at what's nutrient dense and what's not, and you're going to have to, again, go outside and think for yourself, 
you will, you are, you're going to find what works for you if you listen to your body. So we're all on the same page here. Like trust yourself. You have our permission to experiment and to try and to think for yourself. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, This has been absolutely incredible. I'm hoping that you guys will come back and we can go deeper into each of these topics because I feel like we just scratched the surface and there's just so much more that we can help people understand and of and continue on their health journey. Brilliant. Thanks for having us on. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Marion. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash until next time friend bye